Hello there. So Scream 6 was released uh, last weekend. So uh, now I'm back now with my spoiler talk. This will be where I go into detail about more stuff that happened in the film that I couldn't talk about in my non-spoiler review. If you haven't seen the film, then and there is a non-spoiler review out there. But this will be full spoilers, so uh, be warned of that in case you haven't seen it. So now we're entering the spoiler zone as of now. So... As kind of expected, the opening scene does it uh, features uh, Samara Weaving as uh, Laura, who's like a college professor, and she majors in uh, like movies and things, flashers especially. Ah, oh, yeah, of course. But uh, she's at a bar. Like her date's supposed to be running late. Seemingly, he's lost. Can't find the bar in New York. So it starts off as a normal phone conversation, and then lures her out to the essentially out to the 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 uh, near a dark alley and and they do make the obvious point when he's just like yeah you're a a college but you you stay you study slashers and you've just been lured out to a dark alley I mean yeah but fucking stupid but whatever and then of course the ghost face comes out and murders her so well, going into this film I kept hearing that this this had this great fantastic opening sequence and I thought to myself yeah it was quite well staged and everything but um don't really know what everyone's raving about I mean. I suppose the fact that it was done outside the murder, I was like, well, there's nothing out of the ordinary here. And then I was expecting, like, the Scream Six thing, title to flash on the screen there, just after she was killed. But then something happened. Ghostface reveals himself, and it's uh, Tony Revoloni, or, or, sorry, I, sorry, I may have pronounced, mispronounced his name. You know, sorry about that. Uh, as I you know, Flash Thompson from the new Spider-Man films. And you thought to yourself, holy fucking shit. They've just went and revealed Ghostface in the first five minutes. And you think, wow. And at this point, I was actually thinking, I wonder if this is what they're actually going to do. They're actually going to reveal it, and that we, as the audience, are going to know, but the other characters aren't going to know. And I did wonder if that was the where they were going with this. But then he gets back, you know, his, his roommate, who he's planning this all with, uh, Greg, phones it, well, he thinks he's talking to Greg. But, of course... He's been played as well because they're not going to be the real Ghostface going forward. They have to, they they buy into these conspiracy theories that Sam uh, was the real killer in in the previous film. Uh, of course, so this has got a good little sequence when the the uh, the Ghostface is pretending to be Greg and things like that, and then tells um tells him to go to go to the fridge, opens the fridge, and there's Greg's head in there. And he comes out and stabs him. So this genuinely was a fantastic opening sequence. I, w- I went from, yeah, it was kind of your standard well stage thing to being to next level once that reveal came. So they did do something out of the box and unexpected. So this got the film off to a flying start for me. Of course, you've also got other scenes as well. You've got Sam's in therapy as well. And their therapist's uh, getting a bit suspicious of her as well because she's worried as well because uh, she, that she's got her murderous tendencies because of what happened with Billy. And I think, to be honest, she actually kind of enjoyed killing um, killing her boyfriend in the last film. When we look things deep down inside, I think she did. But, you know, she's getting worried that she's going to turn out like him, which is an interesting theme that can now be developed about other films but we'll get into that later of course as well there's a moment which is at a party this drunk guy's about to take her uh, tara up the stairs and she's she like tasers him in the balls so that was fun that was entertaining so uh, also we start to uh, meet other of their other roommates and things because they're at college there was a nice little moment as well when you heard um 
Tara saying that Omega Beta Zeta, Omega whatever it is. You know the thing that Sarah Michelle Geller was saying in Scream 2? I'm guessing that's an American college thing. I don't know. I'm a Scottish dude. I don't know. But, you know, that was a nice little throwback. And the minute she said it, I kind of thought about that. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. That was a nice little callback to Scream 2. There's actually quite a... With this being the sequel to the requel type thing, then this there are quite a few little callbacks to Scream 2 in here, which I really do appreciate, because Scream 2 is fantastic. One of the best ones, I think. So, anyway... We there's other scenes like you know the the cop it says that he's found uh, Tara's it's uh, Sam's driver's license at the murder scene, and of course a minute the cop comes in you get suspicious of him, and of course we're also introduced to um, FBI an FBI agent which is Kirby from Scream Four. Big, Big shout out here, I forgot to mention her in my non-spoiler review, I was banging on about other things. I've got to say, Hayden Pantera, Pantera was great in this film, it was great seeing her. They actually explained the thing well, kind of what I thought it would be, how she was still alive. It's like, you see her got stabbed, but you never see her die on camera. She does actually mention later on that she did technically die for a few minutes. But you know, she got out in time, she was saved in time. She's got her lifelong scar from it, so you know, there you go. And it was a good way of introducing her, I thought it was really good. And now she's got a fascination with the ghost face, anything to do with that now because of what happened to her. So it was actually good motivation for her wanting to join the FBI. Plus, I don't know how long it takes in terms of training, but, you know, that film was like 12 years ago. So it's not out with the realms of possibility that you could do that. So it wasn't a complete uh, leap of faith too much with that. So, you know, it was all well done. Of course, you've got another moment as well. The, the killer's been leaving ghost face masks. At, the, at each murder scene as well and it's do, doing it in reverse such as the you leave Richie's mask first and then the next killing it was like the one from Scream 4 and things like that so that was a really nice thing the way they actually were building that up as well almost like a countdown counting down to get into Billy Loomis's mask at the end and we'll get into that later uh, of course there's other little hints as well of what's going on as well because you've got like the moment when Richie's phone phones Sam as well and that leads to Ghostface attack and that leads to the scene of the store which was great really this there's so many really good 10 cent pieces in this film and this was really well done here great scene worked looked great in the trailer it played great when watching the movie itself so no complaints here absolutely fantastic um you've got another scene that you know, of course you've got another one that sam's got our love interest as well who's like looking look over who's you you automatically get suspicious of that so you think you but you do wonder is this history going to repeat itself again but with a boyfriend but yeah you know she's um there's a moment where she's looking out sees one of our roommates i think her name's amber and it goes face behind it so crucially crucially here you never actually see Ghostface stab amber here red herring there, a little bait and switch but it, later on you see her get thrown out the room as if she's been killed and then Ghostface attacks the the guys and things in here. Uh, you've got as well that leads to this fantastic ladder set piece as well and you know um, Mindy's uh, sorry, Mindy's girl uh, girlfriend uh, ends up being the one getting killed. It was a great sequence when she's trying to get across and then Ghostface is just sh shaking the ladder and just dumps her off of it. This was brilliantly done. Excellent, fantastic set piece. I'm kind of jumping about as well. I'm not going chronologically, but just talking about things I remember from it as well. Because um, earlier on in the film, 
uh, once they've been out, when Sam and Tara have been at the, the police station, we come out and Gail Weathers is there. Because, of course, whenever a murder strikes, Gail Weathers is there. And, of course, she wrote a book about the previous stuff, which, even though she promised uh, Sam she wouldn't. So, great little callback here when Sam goes to punch her, and then she ducks. And, but then Tara actually nails her once, so that was a great little callback to the whole Sydney stuff. Speaking of Sydney, they handle Sydney's absence really well here, because, and it makes sense, because... You know, Sam asks Gail, does Sydney know? And Gail's just like, no, she's just took her, her husband and the kids. They're like, well, she's not coming here, which makes sense, which actually makes sense because why would you go and do that, especially when you've got kids? You can see why she came back the last time as well. I mean, and she actually only actually came in once she knew that Dewey had died. So that would be the thing to lure her out. But this time there was no real reason for her to come. So it made sense what they did here and makes sense how they brought Gail back here. Because of course Gail's going to go and cover the killings as well. Made sense. So this was really well done. It was respectfully done as well because Gail says as well, Sydney deserves her happy ending. So hopefully there's no... And, and the door's open because, you know, there's going to be a Scream 7. The door's open here. Hopefully there's no bad blood. No pun intended. Here. And so, you know, we'll see what happens as well. It, it handled the... Uh, the the absence thing here much better than Creed 3 did. Now, don't get me wrong, I like Creed 3, it was a good film, but you know, Rocky's mentioned like once or twice in passing, but they don't actually mention why he's not there, which is strange, almost like they couldn't think of a way to do it. But, well, they actually nailed it here within a few, within a minute or two, just a quick minute scene, done, bang, there you go, done respectfully, good to see. So, anyway, moving on. There's also the earlier on, of course, we get the bit when Mindy's explaining uh, how the, the how the rules work again. Again, classic scream stuff as well. She she took up the Randy uh, the Randy model very well. Does a great job of it. So, and the, the actress that plays her as uh, she's really excellent. I really really enjoyed her her work here. She's very very likable. Fits in perfectly with the whole Scream universe as well. So uh, it's the same as well. They also establish earlier on, uh, or later on, that they're now the core four, the people that survived the last one. So that's, you know, of course, Mindy, uh, and of course our, our brother Chad as well. So, you know, that actually worked really well. So, and, you know, it's um, Jasmine Savoy Brown is the name of the person that is, it's the name of the who plays Mindy, she's great as well. Mason Good as Chad. They're all really likable. They're good additions to the cast. And yeah, they work really well here. Uh, now I've got another scene as well, really good scene when they're trying to trace the call out in the open. But when they, they trace the call, it turns out Ghostface at Gail's apartment. Fantastic scene here. This was so well done. This was great. Also came at another moment when Ghostface actually says, ah, I can't believe this is the first time we've ever spoken the phone. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, right enough. You think about it. Gail has never spoke to Ghostface in all these films on the on the phone. So yeah, nice little moment there. That actually worked well. You know, she kills her kills her boyfriend, and then but it's a, and then she ends up getting stabbed by a shred of glass. You sort of think, oh, they're killing the legacy character again. But you know, the the minute when they sort of say, oh, she still has a pulse, you're like, all right, she, she she's going to survive. That's so, okay. There are moments of suspending disbelief that happened a few times but you know it is what it is then they come up with the plan to, oh of course as well the the uh the shrine to ghostface is it sounds like somebody's been taking evidence from the cops and getting paid off and things to make this absolute shrine to the the ghostface 
all the previous stab movies and everything like that. And well, hint, hint. Here's the big, biggest hint, hint of how this happens. And uh, th these scenes again work really well. You've got the um, little things like the, they've got the TV as well that killed Stu. And then of course you've got the. Um, Sam starts having her hallucination seeing Billy again. This this actually wasn't as jarring this time because a couple of times in the previous film it did feel a bit a bit cheesy, but no, they actually worked really well. Again, this time he was basically trying to egg her on and things like that. People have always said that they think Stu should have been the killer here, and they, there's all these stupid fan theories that he's actually alive, and they actually do make a joke about that in this film. But um, you know, it's one of the. I mean, they're suspending disbelief, but they're you know, and there's. There's a bit much, I'd be a bit stupid if he actually was, you know, after all this time. The one thing you could do, though, pre in future films going forward, is you could have Sam's hallucinations getting worse, and when she sees Billy, Stu comes in as well and starts egging, trying to egg her on as well, which is, she then has two of them. Then you could have scenes of them two bickering as well, which could be fun. That would be a great way of actually putting Matthew Lillard back into the film without, and make it feel almost natural in a way, since Sam's character is having these hallucinations and it wouldn't cheapen what happened before so there's an idea for you going forward if you want to bring Matthew Lillard back I'd be fully on board with that um, so this was great really like the concept here with this and uh, of course the subway scene was great as well really tense that this film has racked up the tension really well Scream 2 was like that as well they had some great tense scenes like the sound stage the sound stage scene and the, you know the car crash scene as well they have to escape the car for the killer in the, inside in there that was great this was excellent you know you've got men who get stabbed and again gets taken to the hospital and doesn't die so you're starting to see a bit of a, a theme develop here of uh, people who uh, who ain't going to die but you know i will get more on that one later but we we get to the finale and uh and uh yeah the the layer thing as well. Kirby's brought them there and says, "Oh, we're all safe, locked them in." And then the the cop phones and says, "Hey, Kirby's not been not with the FBI for the last two months. He got suspended for erratic behaviour or something like that." And then and this actually fooled me. This actually got me. I was like, "Oh my god, it actually is Kirby who's the killer as well." So it made, it actually, it duped me and. <laughs> Not proud of myself, but it did dupe me here. And then, of course, the cop, sh uh, cop said, Detective Bailey's name is, shoots uh, Kirby, and then it's revealed he's been the mastermind a bit behind it all. There's a, there's two ghost faces going about as well, and they both like basically stab uh, Chad. And you think he's dead, but <laughs> more on that later, can't kill the core four now. But um, yeah, and then there's the, the the reveal. It turns out one of them's the room, what the roommate. I uh, can't actually remember the boy's name. Another one was the cop's daughter, who was allegedly killed earlier, but ah, we never actually seen her get killed, and he explained that they switched the bodies out. So this was a good reveal. Some people don't particularly like the reveal, but I think it worked well. And the twist obviously being he was Richie's dad, and the, and the other two ghost face are brother and sister. So there you go. And the, so the motives are all set up there. And of course, how did they get all the memorabilia and things like that? Well, because it was a cop who's got it for his son because his son was obsessed with all the stab movies so as he was so there you go it's all set up and we get all the big finale and everything like that and you've got like when sam stabs uh stabs the cop she actually seems to be quite enjoying it and then tara comes in for a minute and she's like mm, looking scared but actually looks concerned for her and then she ends up to she ends up killing the cop and 
that's that then. Of course, we then find out Mindy was okay at the hospital. Gail's pulled through. And then here's the moment here where they're standing outside and then uh, Tara just randomly bursts into tears. And, you're, and then she's like, oh, what a shame about Chad. And then you just, when that happened, you just knew he was going to get wheeled out in a stretcher. And there you have it, he was. So <laughs> uh, so it's a Scream 2 moment as well, because, of course, you think Dewey dies in the same stage, but then right at the end, he's pulled out as well. So it was another little Scream 2 throwback, which this is one of those things, I'm, I'm making little jokes about how the, these people survive and everything like that. I mentioned this in my non-spoiler review. I can suspend disbelief because I was having such a fun time with this film. Whenever something kind of stupid or kind of, oh, well, that's convenient happens, it didn't bother me because I was enjoying myself with this. So whereas whenever something stupid happened in like Halloween Kills or Halloween Ends or whatever, I, I was so bored. It just compounded my misery watching that. But no, it didn't bother me here. So this all worked really well. You know, it's fun. I'm glad the core force took it together. I like them as it, as it is. So... Great interesting thing, you've got the shot where um, uh, Sam's, uh, Sam's holding Billy's mask and that, that was the other thing, that the killer wanted him her to put the mask on and then so he'd kill her to, to fulfil her, her destiny and all that shit. And you know this was actually really good because you sort of see she's getting tempted by it, and this is a a way a route they could go in the future that it does actually she does actually snap, and now that's where you could bring also bring in Stu with that for the hallucinations, and she actually does do her own ghost face killing spree. Some people have said that would be quite similar to Dexter. I'm not completely familiar with that show. I know of it, but I've never really seen it. So some people have said that could be quite familiar to that. So maybe they won't do it because you make it accused of like copying but whatever but um yeah so that could that's an interesting thing that's now been set up for the future plus that could actually be a few, tie into what i was saying about the start where you know who ghostface is from the start but you know if say sam did become the killer and, and it was revealed right at the start of the movie then you'd be sort of it'd be like a cat and mouse thing where you're like she's going after T tara doesn't know this and then you know it could be played like a tense thriller as well rather than just a, an ordinary slasher but you know that's a future something that could be done in the future but overall i absolutely love this movie it's fantastic I had a great time with it it could be my new favorite of the franchise you know it's I had a great time. It's just so well paced. I and mean, even the stuff that's kind of, oh, well, that's convenient. It's part of the fun of it. I was having fun, so it didn't really bother me, to be honest. So, oh, just one other thing. There's been a lot of talk recently about Jen Ortega, something that she said, like she talked about how she spoke up to the writers of Wednesday and some writers have been quite un upset with her about this and they've said, and she said, sort of said things, she didn't feel it would be true to the character and things like that. And, you know, and some people are saying, well, she's going difficult to work with and writers won't want to work with her now. So, and the other thing that kind of got me wanted to address this, I seen this you know, the YouTube video the other day. It's uh, Vince Russo with uh, Taylor wrestler Taylor Hendricks, and they talk about pop culture stuff. And they were talking about this, and they were really laying in a Jenna Ortega on here. And I'm thinking to myself, it was quite contradictory. Look, I like Vince Russo and everything like that, especially his takes on wrestling. His takes on wrestling, I actually agree with because he's been there, done that. So, you know, he knows way more than anything the way that company works, the WWE, more than anyone else does. So usually I'm 
pretty on board with him, but he was sitting there really laying into Jenna Ortega, saying things like, oh, she'll be done in Hollywood by the time she's 22, bro. And it's like, she'll be done in two years, really? You know, it's like, and then he was like com complaining about her. And then, but which kind of dawned on me, which I find strange because he stuck up for, he always says wrestlers should stand up for their creative and actually speak up to speak up to writers and just say, look, this isn't working. And actually be more vocal and yet here's Jenna Ortega doing exactly the same thing for her TV show and by the way her suggestions worked because the the show was a massive success and she was a huge part of it and then her, I mean, of course there were some stupid suggestions like a oh, Wednesday should be in a love triangle and you're thinking to yourself what Wednesday doesn't even like people so how, how would she be end up being in a love triangle especially in the first season you can maybe do that down the line because you've established she's more willing now to warm up to people but in the first season no come on that would be stupid and they were sitting going oh yeah we should have done that who's she to talk about that and things and then the other thing is like Vince Russo stuck up for Sasha Banks for walking out on WWE. For, and Sasha Banks is fucking massively unprofessional. He, he was like, oh, yeah, good for her walking out. And I'm thinking, well, Sasha, Sasha Banks does this every time she doesn't get her own way. By the way, notice how she wins the New Japan title the first night she's there. It's like she'd probably walk out if she didn't get win it. But, you know, so he buries Jenny Ortega, but absolutely bigs up Sasha Banks as well. By the way, this guy also always bigs up Bray Wyatt all the fucking time. And there's stories kicking about how, he, how he's a massive pain in the arse to work with backstage and people don't want to work with him. And yet he always bigs him up. I, I get the feeling that if Jenny Ortega was in WWE and this same thing happened, you know, then... If the same thing happened, she spoke it about writers, he'd be putting her over, he'd be like, yeah, good for you, bro. So much respect to Vince Russo, but maybe the pop culture stuff, <laughs> maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about there. Certainly does with the wrestling. Still like Vince Russo, but, you know, I just wanted to address that. And Taylor Hendricks was sitting... She was sitting there saying, oh, yeah, I'm I'm torn on this. I'm actually 50-50 on it. But she spent most of the time actually slating Jenna Ortega. And then, and then, here's the thing, they're meant to be talking about pop culture news and gossip and all that, but they never mentioned that there's rumours that Tim Burton wants Jenna Ortega to be in Beetlejuice too. You know, you think if you're talking about her so much and all these stories and things, you'd maybe mention that, but oh, wait a minute, that didn't go along with the narrative, did it? So, you know, if she's so difficult to work with, why does Tim Burton want to work with her again, supposedly, if, the, if it's true, you know? <laughs> You know, and another thing I would say is maybe Tim Burton respects her for actually speaking her mind, speaking up to the writers, making suggestions and making the show better for doing that. Just a thought, you know, because I think Tim Burton knows a bit more than me, Vince Russo or Taylor Hendricks about what goes on behind the scenes in, on his own show. So there you go. Just a thought on that there. Uh, and again, I should uh, give a special shout out, as I mentioned, Miss, Melissa Bar Barrera was fantastic in this film. She got an unfair slate in the last time, but she was, I thought she was good the last time, but I think she's really came into her own here. She was excellent. Big thumbs up. Anyway, that's my Scream 6 spoiler talk. That was a bit of a marathon, and sorry for the little detour at the end there, but I do feel it had to be addressed. But... Anyway, hopefully going to see Shazam 2 tomorrow, so I'll get a review out for that probably on Tuesday. Hopefully be going to see 65 this week as well. So, and of course, there'll be Mandalorian as well later in the week. I'll do another review and spoiler talk for that. Thank you ever so much for taking the time to listen, and goodbye.